Welcome to the podcast from the Temple. I'm Rabbi Peter Berg. And I'm Rabbi Lauren Filson Lapidus. This episode is brought to you by the Temple, Atlanta's oldest and youngest synagogue. Peter, I feel like we say this every week, but it is such an unusual year because here we are, it's Wednesday of MLK Shabbat week. And instead of me trying to dig out my uh, Temple Teen Trip t-shirts, my pair of jeans that has paint on it from, I'm pretty sure like 13 house projects um, and getting ready to ride a bus with our eighth and ninth graders, I'm gonna be here this weekend. Right. I think it's actually only the second time. I think when, when you were pregnant and couldn't travel, I think you were here that year. I, I was here the year that um, my son, let's see, Caleb was three months old. I was still on maternity leave and um, we lit candles. I dressed him up really cute. He had like a, a hat um, and everyone thought that was so sweet. Uh, and, and that was it. That's it. Well, uh, <laughs> um, you know, you know, some people say that, that uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. Shabbat service you know, is like, like the high holy days in, I guess what they mean is in the importance that it has in um, the gestalt of the temple and who we are. Absolutely. There are people who say it is by far their favorite night of the year. And I think it's like high holy days, partly in terms of parking challenges, but also because it's this uplift everybody together in the sanctuary and it's it's something that's so different from what we usually do that it holds a lot of power and this is a very special year 36th annual Martin Luther King Shabbat service it is and, and I want to do you know I give give a little credit where credit is due to Rabbi Sugarman of course who started this initiative all those years ago and um, you know Martin Luther King Jr. Shabbat has changed a little over the years this year, of course, being our first virtual ever, so uh, nobody drive to the temple. <laughs> everything is virtual, we're keeping everybody safe. Uh, but uh, in its origins, the purpose was to uh, partner each year with different churches and, and have different speakers. And although I know um, Reverend Kimbrough was for a number of years the featured speaker, but we have for, for um, over 13 years now, uh, been in partnership with Ebenezer Baptist um, which has enabled us to really have some significant connections. And I know you haven't had a chance to see this part because you've been with the teens, you know, in Florida and New Orleans, but this dinner that we usually have beforehand is really special where uh, we have this interaction together and um, it, it's quite unique. We, we've developed significant friendships between our two congregations. And as we heard when uh, we had the other Rabbi Lapidus, when we had Micah on our podcast, talking about uh, some of the pieces that, that led to, to being named composer in residence, Martin Luther King is where he really got a, this, this Shabbat service, gave him the inspiration for Rise Up and Praying With Our Feet, and a lot of the music that has become a signature piece of this. I think that for a lot of our congregants who come, they speak about the choirs and the music as something that takes... Um, takes a certain sound and brings some Judaism to it and 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 has everybody engaged together. And I think it's really uh, it's really inspiring. And for those uh, who uh, are hearing this before the actual service, rest assured, we have found a way to include some of that music uh, in the service. So uh, I know that for for a lot of people when they when they think about the service, they're thinking about 
A, the relationships with uh, our friends at Ebenezer and B, the music. So they'll get both. And I, you know, I think it's important also to talk about the history here because our history does go back to the civil rights movement, to the relationship that, um, uh, that our rabbi, that uh, Rabbi Rothschild had with Dr. King and with, and with Coretta Scott King. And uh, it goes back to the relationship that um, Rabbi Sugarman had with Reverend Roberts uh, and the relationship that continues today, not only with uh, my relationship with Reverend Warnock, but with actually all of our clergy from both congregations um, coming together. We now both have these large clergy staffs and, and, um, and this year actually all of the clergy from both congregations are, are participating, which is a new feature. I'm excited about One that we're really excited about. And I know that our young professionals are partnering from both communities. And I think the relationships become very important because it also it is an ongoing theme certainly for the temple. And I would imagine probably for Ebenezer Baptist as well, this question of when you come from such a rich history, how do you continue to write the story of today and meet the challenges of today, not just stand in pride for what was? And I, think, I remember when we first started at the temple and, and in that first year was the commemoration of the temple bombing. And right. one of the big questions was, um, how do we respond to it today, not just talk about it as something that happened 50 years prior now? Yeah. I think another important feature is that it's not just about the service. I mean, the service is great and we all love it, that the clergy loves it, that our members love it, but it's about the work that our congregations do together. Um, Reverend Warnock and I have deliberately chosen to serve on uh, some boards together over the years to, 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 to uh, demonstrate that it's not just about speaking in each other's congregations, it's about that work or the work that uh, our congregations are doing together to end mass incarceration, the work that we're doing together um, to talk about diversity within our own congregations, the work that we're doing together to end gun violence. I mean, uh, the relationship is strong beyond just this one night. Uh, that's an important, an important note. For sure. And you just mentioned, you know, diversity within our congregations. And I feel like it, it's important to note as well that over these, these past many years, we have learned that this highlight moment for our community can also be a very challenging one for some of the members of our community because we are a diverse congregation. The Jewish people is increasingly diverse. And so when our communities gather together, it's important to remember that not every person of color who attends is from Ebenezer Baptist. Um, some of them, many of them are temple members, um, longtime temple members. And it's really an opportunity this year, we will be featuring members of our Temple Mosaic group that work on our diversity, equity, and inclusion here at Temple, as well as our racial justice group. So that way we are acknowledging that, that it's really important to remember that this work is not just between our congregations, but also within our respective congregations. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's important for uh, our community to know that diversity and equity and inclusion is, is, is a major initiative of our congregation this year. Um, it's been longer than a year actually. But, but that is, that's really a central part of who we are and what we do. So um, I'm so glad you had a chance to mention it. And of course, we should also mention uh, the exciting, you know, very exciting fact that this year, our, the person who's been speaking for the last 13 years uh, will be the first uh, black senator 
uh, in Georgia, uh, and I, and and uh, that's very exciting um, that that uh, Reverend Warnock has has achieved that that milestone in his life. You know, whether no matter where you are on the political spectrum, that that is a milestone for us. For sure, and and he had promised you when we first set the date months ago that. Um, or confirmed the date, uh, that he was going to preach no matter what. And um, so we're really, I, it's exciting that he's taking time. I have to imagine he's got a few things going on that he's still going to be yeah. sharing the sermon. And I guess it means there's a little bit more of a spotlight on our service than exactly. usual. But he's also speaking, you know, when he comes here, he's speaking as reverend, not a, not a senator. And, and, you know, that's a challenging job. He'll have to figure out how to wear both of those hats. But of course, um, well, we have had senators come speak at the temple before, and and imagine that that he and other elected officials of both parties will be speaking at the temple in the future. He is coming to speak to us um, from a religious and spiritual perspective, as he does each year. And we also this year have, as has I think become our custom, uh, we will have Anat Sultan Dadon, who's the consul general for the southeast. Wait, I never get the title right. Council General for Israel to the Southeastern United States. Yeah, the, yeah, and I we've done that. That we've done that many times too, because we want to celebrate uh, the love of Israel that that uh, is important to both of our communities. And and there's actually a really strong connection between Ebenezer the Temple and the Consulate, which is which has been a unique, strong connection over the years as well, um, including some of the work that we've done over the years to establish uh, the King Rabin Institute. Um, and I know that uh, the Council General is working on some exciting initiatives uh, with Morehouse that she'll announce in the coming weeks. So um, uh, that's fun for us as well. We really are very blessed at the temple to be, uh, I think, a center point for an ML MLK Shabbat celebration, also, I think really a, a, a major place uh, where people come who want to engage in social justice work, racial justice work, um, and, and be a part of these um, interfaith type gatherings. I'm wondering when you think back to when you were in New Jersey or before we, we all respectively migrated southward, um, what do you feel like it means something different being here in Atlanta? To celebrate Martin Luther King com compared to what it was in any other congregation that you served. It is, and this is this is my third congregation. But you know, I think about, um, for example, when I was in New Jersey, and of course we had a service, and it was interfaith, and um, and it was very very powerful. But the, I mean, there there is something deeply spiritual about being in Dr. King's city and being in this congregation that had a unique relationship with Dr. King. So. Um, it, is, it, it is very emotional for me and, uh, you know, to stand on the pulpit each year and, and to look out and to see our two congregations together, I get choked up every time. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, do, I do think there is a difference. But um, in, what I will say is in the last couple of years, I think you and I have both noticed our, more of our colleagues in different locations around the country celebrating not only Dr. King's uh, weekend, but really celebrating uh, uh, racial justice and celebrating uh, the, the history of the Black Jewish community, which for the most part has been very strong and has had some rocky year, you know, rocky years in the 80s and the 90s, but that I that I think is very strong today and 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 very strong in Atlanta, and I'm proud of that. 
For sure. And, you know, as we say that, I'm thinking about the Black Jewish Coalition and, you know, Atlanta provides these opportunities for us to really engage in in some conversations that I don't know as happen in the same way elsewhere, because we are talking about our city's history and, and this region and as well as our own congregations. And it does hold a, a very special, uh, very special place. Look at us. Look at us Northerners, so proud of, of, our, of our new Southern yep. roots. <laughs> well, and it's interesting. I, I, I think also the conversation continues to change. Think about what this weekend meant, celebration versus, versus activism. Yeah. And I think especially over these past few years, members of our congregation, even if they're not engaged in the RSJI's racial justice group specifically, are trying to learn about anti-racism work and are trying to learn about what their responsibility is um, and to, to engage in changing the system and changing some, addressing some of the challenges that have um, become much more apparent in the past few years to the white community. Um, yeah. You know, it, I, I think that people come to this with a desire to learn and a desire to do. That may not have always been the case in, in exactly the same way, but think about all of the, um, all that has happened since last we gathered for MLK Shabbat, just in, in this past year, the number of, of murders, um, the number of protests, the number of, of times that we have really had to, to reach out uh, to support the black community. Um, I think that that conversation continues to evolve as well. I feel like I say this every day, not just on every podcast, but every day. But you know, you know, in real estate, it's all about location. In you know, it's all about relationship for us. Everything we do is all about relationship. And when you have that relationship, when you're in that relationship, when there are tough times and difficult times, they are easier to navigate because because of uh, because of that. So more than anything else, um, you know, our job as rabbis, what we want our synagogue to be is in relationship with the greater community uh, so that we can support each other and be there for each other. And that's uh, why our engagement team is setting up these conversations for after the service. I think we have over 200 people yeah. already signed up who are going to just be in conversation uh, between members of the temple and members of Ebenezer Baptist uh, just to, to try to create the beginnings of friendships, to acknowledge that we've come together because of some, some shared interest, some shared commitment, and uh, to really make it personal and make it relational. So that's exciting as well. Yeah. I, I knew we were making progress in, in, in relationship building when last, last year at the dinner beforehand, which of course, regretfully, we can't have this year, um, you know, I saw people uh, saving, like at the temple, saving seats for people at Ebenezer and vice versa, and waving their hands and saying over here, like um, people really, they are, are really starting to get to know each other. Um, and uh, uh, I love it. It makes, it makes me so happy. <laughs> Great. Well, hopefully next year, uh, next year we'll be gathering in person, in part because of kind of the other big news here in Georgia, which is there's a COVID vaccine. There is a COVID vaccine. Not a lot of it yet, but it's definitely coming. And I know that you and I have had some conversations about, again, kind of what what's Jewish about this, and and what's the role of the clergy, and and how to help people have patience when 
everybody's ready to, to find their place in the line. But also surprisingly, there are a lot of people who are choosing not even to get in line. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts about all yeah. that? I, I think the starting place is where we started when we first learned that there was a COVID-19 and we started isolating. And that's with the Jewish value of pikuach nefesh, saving life, uh, right? When we learned that the best thing we could do was stay home for a few weeks, we did it. When we learned that the best thing we could do is wear a mask, and of course it still is, um, we do that. And, and I want to say that that extends to getting a vaccine. Uh, getting the vaccine is, is saving lives. And I know that some people are afraid of needles um, and um, um, we got to do it. I know that some people uh, uh, just don't get vaccines in general uh, because there are conspiracy theories about who knows what, um, but this is about saving, saving lives. It's about saving your life when you get it, but ultimately it's about building up uh, a population that is immune so that we're saving other people too. And, and I, I just, I cannot say it strongly enough. When it's your turn to get the vaccine, um, please, your clergy are, 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 couldn't say it strongly enough. Please get your vaccine. I know that for me at first, when I heard the vaccine was being developed, there's a little bit of, oh my gosh, it's so soon, it's so quick, is it safe? And it's not that I was against it, but I I was um, a little, approaching it with a little trepidation. And then really a lot has shifted watching medical professionals I know. Every doctor you know, right? all these doctors, all these nurses, all these, these caregivers who are stepping up and getting their vaccines. And, and then also just the number of people we know who have lost loved ones, the number of funerals we have done for people who have died of COVID and um, the number of people who get it and even in their most mild situations find themselves taking quite a while to recover. And I really, uh, I look forward to getting mine. I am anxious for, um, for, uh, my mother and my in-laws to be vaccinated, and I, when it's my turn, I will be, I will be stepping up. I'm actually not afraid of needles, so at least I don't have to worry about that part. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I mean, I, I get a flu shot every year, and everyone says it's the same. Yeah, the flu shot this year was actually surprisingly painful, and had I, I've heard from people who've gotten the COVID vaccine that the flu shot had more side effects for them. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, I'm also anxious for educators to get it, um, not only because my husband's in a school, but I really would love to see all of our kids back in school, not just those whose um, districts or independent schools are able to make it work right now, but we have a, the, um, the effects of the isolation on these kids and, and on so many is really powerful. So hopefully, hopefully soon. We, uh, yeah, you raised an interesting question, which is like the moral, the moral part of it. And, you know, you know, I think the predominant thinking is if you can get it, when you can get it, get it. Like for example, um, you know, some of these uh, uh, vials have to be thrown out at the end of the day because they have to be at a certain temperature. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people are sort of waiting around and, and, and getting it because otherwise it's going to be thrown out. And so, you know, there's a the moral question, do you get it even though it's not your turn if it's going to get thrown out? And I think most people yeah. probably say better to get it than throw it out. Or, um, uh, you know, I ask the question, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a rabbi. I'm not a classroom teacher, but I do interact with people at life cycle events all the time and I'm quote exposed all the time. So do I get it with the teachers 
which is earlier than being someone under 65. You know, so I think there are moral questions that, that we're going to have to ask now. And I know all kinds of people who have had the vaccine who are not yet. 1A. <laughs> 1A, right. Um, sure. I, I mean, the question of caregivers, the question yeah. of um, just there, there is a benefit for each person who gets it. And I think there's also, I am, I am wondering what is it going to look like when enough people have it that those who don't are going to face consequences. Um, the other thing we've talked about is what happens if it is determined that a vaccine really does reduce transmission, will that impact who's allowed in at certain times and who can be teachers and who can be in certain programs. And um, it's so interesting to, to look around and realize that things that were from science fiction movies that we thought could never happen, it only existed in Michael Crichton novels, now is here <laughs> and real live questions. Right. Right. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. I, I guess it's going to take some time to figure out if the vaccine, you know, just just protects you or will it, and, and um, you know, for people who will refuse to get a vaccine, will there be a time where they will not not be allowed to go to movie theaters or, or churches or I mean, that that's that's going to be real interesting down the road. But in the meantime, we know that masks work. So if you are not current, if you're listening to this podcast and not wearing a mask when you are outside of your home and your, your pod, please, please, please be wearing masks. And I know we are all ready to be done, but that's not going to change for a good long while. And we, we have to do our part to keep one another safe. And to those who have been vaccinated, you, of course, still have to wear a mask as well. Let us not forget. Everybody has to wear a mask until this thing is under control. I, I will say there are some silver linings about the mask, like that whole, like, is there something in my teeth? <laughs> I, I don't wonder about that. I, I don't worry about bad breath because I'm the only one that has to smell it. I mean, there's a lot that has changed. I, I'm laughing because I, I, had, I, would, I would never do this. I had an everything bagel this morning <laughs> only, only knowing that I was going to get to wear a mask afterwards, I like on the way to work and like, right. <laughs> so. Well, and, and the whole, um, you know, do you wear lipstick or I, I, I know Peter, you wear it all the time. Yeah. Um, but it then gets on your mask. Like if you put yeah. your mask on and off and I have discovered also like my kids at school, they, they put their snacks in under their masks. So I have to like shout out the inside to get like, <laughs> the, the, the goldfish crumbs and like the, the um, Hadar really likes buffalo sauce. There's like orange smears. And yeah. Gross. Yeah. I have like a whole, a whole ritual, how I clean my mask when I come home. Like it's, I, I, you know, I, I don't just, you know, I know most people just throw it in the laundry, which is totally fine. But like, I, I have like, I, I do mine, uh, like I have a whole thing to it, which I don't know. It's just part of the, uh, the way I get through it, I guess. We just ordered some Synovia masks from Israel uh, because we knew some people who really loved them and we've decided we, we needed a few more. You know, it's like socks, they start to wear out a little bit or you wanna yeah. just freshen up your collection. And so here we are with that. Well, um, I feel like once we start talking about our laundry habits, we've probably exhausted the conversation. <laughs> no, no, nothing says end podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's save yeah. ourselves from ourselves um, and our listeners too. But next week, you know, this week we're talking about MLK and and uh, Reverend Warnock, who is a, a clergy colleague and friend of yours. Next week, we are going to examine and have a conversation with another historic partnership of the temple, which is First Presbyterian Church. And yeah. 
their senior pastor, Reverend Tony Sundermeyer, will be joining us. And that's our, our literal neighbor. We can easily yeah. just walk right down the street. And we're going to hear about kind a lot about the, the conversations that we have between our communities and the ways that we've built relationships there, too. Yeah, I'm excited. That history actually goes back further than, than Ebenezer. That's a, that's a, a, a really uh, strong history as well. Uh, and one of the reasons I love being at the temple is because of we, we have these great uh, connections that go back so far. And because it's the, the interfaith connection that's so important to us. Uh, um, and I, I love that. Well, I'll put out a trivia question. Uh, if you are listening, email us if you know either or both what gift First Presbyterian gave the temple and what gift the temple gave to First Presbyterian. The answers will be revealed on our January 20th podcast. You can email that and any of your questions or comments or ideas to podcast at the-temple.org. Oh, and of course I forgot to turn off my phone. So we're winning on the end of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, this has been another episode of the podcast from the temple. Where we inspire lives and transform our world.